In your Bibles tonight, if you turn with me to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter number 1, and if the Lord let me, I'm going to try to preach through this passage of Scripture in time. And we're going to start in Nehemiah chapter number 1. We'll read this first chapter together, just 11 verses. The majority of chapter number 1 is a prayer. There's, this is one of a dozen prayers in the book of Nehemiah. And uh, if you're going to attempt to do something great for God, it's going to require God. And Nehemiah sets the example, and over and over again, as he's attempting to serve the Lord, he's turning to the Lord. I found out something, uh, that if you're going to serve God, you're going to need God. And if you don't, if you get to places where you think you can do it on your own, God will drive you to know and acknowledge your need for him. And we're going to be praying Christians. And we come to the book of Nehemiah, chapter number one. I want to read this to you, and I'll share with you the title after we read the chapter, uh, the first 11 verses, the whole of chapter number one. The Bible says in Nehemiah 1.1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month of Chisleu in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass... When I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the Lord God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now day and night. For the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations." But if ye turn unto me, and keep my commandments, and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. We come to this passage of scripture, we meet Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is an interesting character. He's a Jew, but he's found himself in a place of prominence in the king's house. He is the king's cupbearer. The cupbearer was the man that tasted the king's food and drank the, the king's drink before him to uh, 
ensure that it was not poisonous. Now, some folks have the idea that a cupbearer was some type of a butler. But the truth of the matter is the cupbearer was a man with some, with some uh, he had to be handsome. He had to be winsome. He had to be well-versed and able to communicate and commune with the king and the king's guests. The cupbearer was a man with some prominence and power and prestige. This was Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a man with some authority. Nehemiah was a man that had been entrusted to a, uh, a task that required certain trustworthiness. And Nehemiah, being a Jew, he still had a love in his heart for his God. And at this time, the nation of Israel, the walls of Jericho, had, come, had been beaten to a pulp and beaten down many, many years ago, previous even to Nehemiah's birth. Uh, the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel were, was in turmoil. There was a group, a remnant of Jewish people who had made their way back to the Holy Land and lived in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah, on this particular day, his brother came who had been on a, a journey and had seen what was going on in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah's heart was filled with curiosity and concern and was wondering what was the condition of God's land and God's people. When he asked, the word that he got was one that was very alarming. Uh, the actual text says this, that the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. The story was and the report was that the nation of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, was in great havoc. The people were suffering. Nehemiah, his heart breaks, his burden for his people and the work of the Lord, it grows in a mighty way. And Nehemiah does what we should do when our hearts are burdened. He prays. He prays this prayer to the Lord, and we'll spend some time looking at it. And as he prays and he brings his prayer to a conclusion, he says something in verse number 11 that's really jumped off the page to me and encouraged me. In verse number 11, he says, O Lord, I beseech thee, I beg you, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. Nehemiah says something I find so wonderful. He says, Lord, hear the prayer of thy servants. And then he describes the servants that he wants God to hear. He says, I want you to hear the prayer of thy servants. Thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. Tonight's message is titled, This Servants Who Desire to Fear Thy Name and Prosper. Nehemiah is not bragging on himself, but Nehemiah is coming out from among the fray and he's saying, Lord, hear my prayer. I want to be a servant that fears your name and desires to prosper. I want to be a servant and I'm praying for other servants that fear your name and you won't want to prosper. The spirit of Nehemiah is the spirit that we need to ask God to kindle in our hearts. It's so easy to get to the place where you are secure in the fact that if you're to die, you'd spend eternity in heaven. That you're secure in the fact that you hold and have God's word. You're secure in the fact that we have a church where the Bible's preached and people are cared for. 
And the work of God is done. And that's all good and fine. But may we get to the place and may we stay in a sense that God moves in our hearts, that we know that we need God, that we know that we need to move forward for God, that we know that we need to keep doing what God wants us to do. May we be servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. It's exciting. In our midst tonight, two families of people who desire to fear the Lord and prosper. One striking out by faith to start a church in New Mexico. Another striking out by faith to start a church in Argentina. May God help us and remind us again that this is the work of God. This is the way God wants us to work. And may we not just lull ourselves to sleep in a good Bible preaching church. May we not just lull ourselves to sleep thinking, wow, we sure do have it good. May we get to the place where we desire in our hearts and we're the kind of servants that God would describe as servants who want to fear God and prosper, not for our own glory. Not for our own praise, but prosper for the glory of God and for the purpose of eternity and for the cause of Christ. And Nehemiah, as you read this prayer, this first chapter, Nehemiah, you can watch his burden boil out and over and he prays and yearns for God to send and raise up servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. Are you a servant of God? The answer should be yes. Are you a servant of God who desires to fear the name of God? I often talk about the fear of God and I love to think about the fear of God. The fear of God is not the fear that God would hurt me. I don't live in constant fear that God's going to drop a fireball on my head. You hear folks talk and I've heard it my whole life. If I were to walk in that church, the ceiling would cave in. Those people are afraid of God. They're afraid of God's judgment. Let me tell you something. If you're not washed in the blood of the Lamb, you ought to be afraid of God's judgment. But the fear of God for God's people is not the fear that God might hurt me. It's the fear that I might hurt God. After all that the Lord's done for me, how could I not serve Him? The fear of God is like the fear I have for my mother. If my mom and I got in a fist fight, I'd let her win. But if I wanted to, I could whip her. But I don't want to. I fear her. She's been so good to me. I wouldn't want to hurt her. The fear I have for my wife, if Ruth and I get in a fist fight, I can beat her. There ain't no doubt about it. She's, got, she's ornery, but I can still take her. There's no doubt about it. But I'm not afraid that she's going to whip me sometime. But I fear her because she's been so good to me. I'm afraid that I might hurt her if I did the wrong thing or disappoint her. And so the fear of God is this fear. We fear God, not that we're afraid he's going to hurt us, but we fear that we might miss our opportunity to serve him. And so Nehemiah is praying, Lord, Bless your servants that fear your name and desire to prosper. Let me tell you something. There's some characteristics of this kind of servant, a servant who desires to fear the name of God and prosper. Number one, that servant cares. Number one, that servant, a servant who desires to fear thy name and prosper. Number one, he or she cares. 
He cares. The Bible says in verse 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakali, at the and it came to pass in the month of Chisleu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace. The Bible just gives us some details about the dates. If you're interested in dates, it was about the year 444 B.C. The Bible says in verse 2, and Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. I like that little phrase, I asked. You see that? I want you to know that Nehemiah cared enough about the, condi the condition of God's people, God's land, God's work that he asked. You know what a lot of our problem is? You know why a lot of folks have no desire to fear God, have no desire to prosper the work of God? It's because we don't care enough to even know that there's a great need. We don't care enough to ask. We get so consumed and self-consumed and so caught up with our schedules and our routine and our ambitions, our worldly ambitions, that we forget that there's a work that needs to be accomplished for the glory of God. Nehemiah, he was a professional man with a great job and a great future. But Nehemiah said, I care. And he cared enough to ask. We ought to ask the Lord, Lord, who is it that I can serve this week? Lord, who is it that I can witness to this week? Lord, who is it that I can invest in? What is it, Lord, that I can do? What would you have me do with my life? Where we should have enough about us, we should care enough to ask. We should care enough to give of ourselves to the, for the glory of God. You see, servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, number one, they care. He not only cared by asking, but the Bible says in verse number three, and they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. He, they said it's bad. When Nehemiah hears the bad news in verse 4, it says, It came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. What happened? I'll tell you, he cared enough to weep and mourn and pray. Do you care When's the last time your heart was burdened and you mourned over the needs of the lost? When was the last time that you were moved to a place where you had to do something for God and His glory? Care. Servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, care. Number two, those same servants not only care, but number one, number one, they care. Number two, they pray. They pray. Immediately when Nehemiah's heart was burdened, he prayed. I've heard Pastor Chuck give this testimony so many times. He said, every time a missionary came through our church, I wanted in my heart to go and be a missionary to their field. <laughs> he said, my heart was moved, but when I began to pray about it, God made it clear that my job was to stay and pastor the church. And I think that's precious. You know, see, we should always be moved in our hearts to do God's will. But when we pray, God will make it clear what God's will is for our lives. Christian people are to be praying people. Do you want to use God to use you? Learn to pray. 
And I'm not talking about spending hours and hours and hours a day on your knees before God. If that's your routine, you're able to do that, that's good and fine. When the Bible says pray without ceasing, it cannot possibly mean praying on your knees in a closet 24-7. But it does mean pray without ceasing. Do you understand that? Pray without ceasing. That means every moment of our day we're communicating with God. As we make decisions all along life's way, we are consumed with the fact that I must consult with my Heavenly Father before I make any move. And we're praying. Nehemiah began to pray. He prayed a prayer that began with praise. We could look at this, this prayer and lots of studies have been done on this prayer. I'm going to take just a, a brief moment to look through it. He began his praying with praise, verse number 5. And he said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God. He says, God, you're great and terrible. That word terrible is not exactly the way we use the word terrible. If I taste something, it's terrible. You don't want to taste it. Uh, Ruth has done this to me a few times. I'm just sorry, baby. I've got to use you as a sermon. I've given you like a week off. Ruth does it. Have you ever had anybody say, this smells terrible? And then they go, here, smell it. Ruth does that. And when she says that, this smells terrible, smell it. I'm like, I don't want to smell it. But when we hear the word terrible, it's not this smells terrible, this tastes terrible. It's uh, terrible. He's, it's, it's this big, amazing, powerful, almighty, terrible. And uh, the great and the terrible God, he praises the Lord. Verse number five, it continues, and he says, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Verse 6, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. He moves from praise to confession. This is a fascinating thing. The sin of the nation of Israel that caused them to be destroyed happened long before uh, Nehemiah was even born. Yet Nehemiah here, as he begins to confess to the Lord, he confesses the sins of his people, Israel. And you know, the nation of Israel, they were together. The sins of the nation of Israel that happened earlier affected the people of the nation of Israel later. And Nehemiah says, look, I'm part of this family. I'm part of this uh, nation. And our sins, Lord, we confess our sins. And Nehemiah was doing what God says if We'll humble ourselves and pray. God would hear from heaven and heal our land. And he was praying. He was praying and asking God to forgive the sins of his people. He continues his repentance and his prayer. Verse number 7. He says, We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Verse 8. In verse 8, he moves to his confidence in God. The Bible says in verse 8, Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. As he begins to pray, he prays first. He says, Lord, I want to remind you of your word. The first part that he reminds us about God's word was God had told the nation of Israel, if you sin against me, if you transgress me, I will scatter you across the world. 
Now, the bottom line is I want you to know sin has consequences. And sin has consequences. And because of the sin of the nation of Israel, there were lots of things that they were not able to accomplish and do that God willed for them to do. And I'll have you know something. Sin is going to prevent you from doing what God wants you to do with your life. Now, don't stop there. Some people, as soon as the preacher says sin is going to prevent you from doing what God has said, they say, look, I've sinned too much. I've gone too far. Uh Uh-uh, that ain't it. That's what Nehemiah is getting ready to conclude and finish. He says, you've told us that sin will separate us and sin will cause to be ineffective. He says, but Lord, I petition you on your own word. In verse number nine, he says, Lord, you've said in your word, if ye return, verse number nine, but if ye, re, if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. He says, God, you've told us that if we'll come back home, you'll bless us. I want to encourage you. You've not sinned too much for God to use you. But God wants to clean you up and God wants you to repent of your sin. And as we pray that God would use us and raise us up to be the servants who desire to fear your name and prosper. May we be faithful to repent of our sin and determine to serve God with a clean vessel. Those servants pray. They pray, verse number 10, Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power. And by thy strong hand. He's praying in confidence that God is going to do what God says he's going to do. Servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. They care. They pray. And finally, number three, they enlist. They enlist. They enlist. We know what the word enlist means. You get a burden for your country. And you enlist in the Air Force or the Army or the Navy or the other branches of military, Marines, I won't leave them out because Alton was staring me down. Coast Guard, I got to say them all now. You enlist. You enlist. That means I'm signing up. Sign me up. Here I go. Servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, they enlist. Perhaps you're here and you say, you know, the Lord's been working in my heart about serving him, serving more faith, about giving or going or serving or doing. Maybe God's been working your heart about a call to preach or the missions field or what have you. Whatever it may be, God is calling all of us to enlist. God's calling all of us to enlist. The Bible says in verse number 11, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant. And to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. What is the meaning of the end of his prayer? He says, Lord, I'm signing up. I'm a servant who desires to fear your name and prosper. Lord, I'm signing up. And here I am. I need you. Lord, I'm signing up. Do you know what Nehemiah did? This is a fascinating thing about this story. Nehemiah, the, when his brother came through, his brother has come through, his brother has seen Jerusalem recently. Nehemiah, his entire life, the walls of Jericho have been 
crumbled and down. His entire life, the gates had been burned with fire. There was not a time in Nehemiah's life where he'd ever seen the nation of Israel standing and the walls standing. Yet, Nehemiah, when his brother comes through, he says, tell me about Jerusalem. I don't know about Jerusalem. I want to know about the walls. I want to know about the condition of the people and the city. And his brothers say, the walls are fallen and the gates are burned with fire. You know why Nehemiah asked a question like that? Nehemiah wholeheartedly expected that somebody by this time, for sure, certainly, among the remnant of the nation of Israel that had made their way back to Jerusalem, surely somebody had began the process of building and rebuilding the walls. When he asked the question, and the word came back, no one has begun in all these years to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah, in his heart, God told him, hey, that's your job. God told him, that's your job. And I wonder, it's so easy to get cynical. We sit back and we say, well, nobody's, well, nobody's, well, nobody's done this or nobody. Why hasn't anybody done this or that? And I want you to know, maybe, just maybe, when you saw the need, God was giving you an assignment. You see, the people of God, the people of God, the servants of God who fear His name and want to prosper, you know what they do? They enlist. Mike Fox told us this when I was in college. He said, need seen, assignment given. Need seen, assignment given. Instead of being critical about things that haven't been done, I wonder if you might just let God use you to do it. Now, I'll tell you, when you enlist immediately, you're going to be faced with things that you think are impossible. Nehemiah was no different. As Nehemiah closes his prayer, in his heart he knows, God, you've called me to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He says, God, I know you've called me, and I know that I want to prosper for your glory. And Lord, uh, I got one big problem. Look at verse number 11. He says, I pray thee, the end of verse 11, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. The first thing Nehemiah says to the Lord, he realizes it's his job to do. He says, Lord, you know I'm going to need some grace in the sight of this man. He, the Bible says, for he was the king's cupbearer. The first thing Nehemiah thinks is, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do, but you're going to have to do something about this king. You're going to do something about this king. And I want you're here. And the first thing that comes to mind, you in your heart, you say, I want to serve God with my life. But the first thing that pops up is the fear of something or someone. You think there's no way I could ever overcome that. You know what the first thing Nehemiah did? He enlisted and immediately said, Lord, that's a big problem, this king thing. You're going to have to take care of that king. And when we enlist... I'll just tell you what happens. God takes care of the king. Not only does he take care of the king, he uses the king in a mighty way to complete and do the work that God put on Nehemiah's heart to do. Are you a servant who desires to fear the name of God and prosper? Oh, I hope so. Care, pray, and enlist. You'll be glad you did.